Well, I believe we should share the gospel because we don't really think about the fact that people that we talk to every day are going to hell. We don't seem to really believe in hell anymore, but I've just from gotten used to sharing it at colleges, and now it's kind of like falling off a log for me. And I just ask a simple question like, are you a believer, are you a Christian, are you a religious person? And you just get into the conversation, and then you can say if they say no or they're not sure or whatever, you can pull out a little booklet like this that I keep loaded in my in my shirt all the time and kind of go through it with them and the Word of God is in there and it'll take you right to the place where they pray and it's, it's so easy and uh, it's hard for me to get around somebody now and not share the gospel. I believe that we need to share the gospel with other people because this world uh, is despairing for truth. There is so much misinformation out there, there's so much misdirection this leads to hopelessness, to despair, to depression. And what the world needs more than anything else is the truth of God that is found in the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's also a purpose that gives you purpose in life that only God can give you. And that gives you hope and joy and peace no matter what's going on in the world around you. Good morning. When asked the question of why we should witness, the first thing that comes to mind is that we're commissioned to. We're called to do that. In Mark 16 and 15, to tell us to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Share that good news with someone else. Secondly, what comes to mind is love. Love should make us want to um, share that good news with the man we see on the corner, the woman we see um, down the street the, that's hurting, the, uh, the people in our homes. Love should make us want to do that. And lastly, somebody share that good news with us. So we should be so willing to share that good news with someone else. Amen, amen. All right, take out your Bibles. Turn to Romans chapter 15 as we talk about a very important topic today, evangelism. Why and how to share the gospel with people who so desperately need it. This is a topic that causes many Christians fear and trepidation. Many believers are hesitant to share. They feel inadequate. They feel fearful. Fear of failure. Fear of being asked a question that they won't be able to answer. Fear that I'm not good enough. My life's not uh, sanctified enough to share with others. And so a number of reasons why we find it so difficult to witness to other people. Besides all of that, we are in a spiritual battle. Satan does not want people to come to faith in Jesus Christ. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4 and 4 that Satan blinds the minds of unbelievers that they not see the glory of the gospel of Jesus. So this is a spiritual battle that we're talking about today. So Romans chapter 15, if you go to our app, you can go right to the sermon notes. You can email those to yourself. There are paper copies of the sermon notes out in the lobby. Those of you that are in the room want to go there. just want to say welcome to those of you watching online. I encourage you, if you're on Facebook, go to share, start a watch party. You never know who this might reach, who this might touch. This is such an important topic today. For unbelievers, you're going to hear the glorious gospel of how you can be born again, forgiven, saved, redeemed, reconciled to God, and have eternal life. 
believers, you're going to learn, again, the glorious gospel that has set you free, that has forgiven you of your sins, that has given you a purpose, that has given you a destiny. And you're going to learn today practically how to witness. So simple, difficult in the sense that we're in a battle and we have all the fleshly fears, but it's so simple when you truly understand uh, what it means to share the good news. You know, the Bible repeatedly talks about and calls us to share with those who are lost. The Israelites in the Old Testament were told repeatedly, you are to be a light to the Gentiles, a light to the nations. You are not to keep this good thing that I've developed with you, Israel, to yourself. You are to share it with the Gentiles. That was clear in the Old Testament. Jonah was called by God to go to Nineveh, share with those people that were lost. They get saved, they, get, they, they repent, and he gets upset because he didn't love that nation. He, he had hatred, he had uh, division in his heart. You could say he had racism in his heart because when they got saved, he didn't like it. He wanted God to judge them. And so instead, God brought his grace and his love. And aren't you glad that he's done that in your life? I love what Geraldine said. Why should we share? Because someone shared with us. Had they not told us, we might not be saved today. On and on in the Bible, it talks about our calling to share the gospel. Jesus said to the disciples, as the Father sent me, so send I you. Jesus said in Matthew 28, all, go into all the world and make disciples of all the nations. In Acts 1 and verse 8, it says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, all the way to the ends of the earth. And then in the book of Revelation, it says, the Spirit and the bride, that's us, say come. The Spirit and the bride say come. The Spirit ultimately is the one who convicts. The Spirit ultimately is the one who draws. The Spirit ultimately is the one who gives the faith and repentance to turn to Jesus, but He uses us. We are His hands and His feet. It's a partnership with God. The Spirit and the bride say, come. When's the last time you've asked somebody to come, to come to Jesus for salvation? So today in Romans 15, we see Paul's calling we're going to go verse by verse through sections of Romans 15. And then I'm going to give you four reasons why we should witness and four reasons how to witness. Now, I want you to think about this topic in light of the COVID virus. This is a virus that is, spreads quickly, has killed many people. And yet, if there were an absolute 100% cure or vaccine that would automatically remove that virus, and you had that cure, you had that vaccine, and you held it to yourself, what would that be like? There is a virus, beloved, that is rampant in the world today far more deadly than the COVID virus, for it is called sin. And it eternally will separate one from Almighty God if it's not cured, if it's not cleansed. But there's a vaccine. There is a cure. It works 100% of the time if it's received and applied, and it's the blood of Jesus Christ. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. It will 100% forgive sin. It will 100% give you a new heart. It will 100% give you eternal life and reconciliation with your Creator. And if you're saved, you have it. You have it. And you are called, and I am called, 
to share that wonderful news, share that wonderful vaccine with a world that so desperately needs it. Romans 15, let's begin reading at verse 13. Out of the ESV, I read, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. We learned last week that God is a God of hope. God is a God of purpose. God in his very nature gives hope and purpose. And beloved, does our world desperately need that today? People are in desperate need of hope. They're discouraged. They're depressed. They're lonely. They're isolated. They're struggling on many fronts. And the God that we know is the God of hope. He's the God who gives a confident expectation of what is to come. Verse 14. Paul writes, I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, writing to the church at Rome. And by the way, they were under a very ungodly government, a lot of oppression, a lot of challenges, that you yourselves are full of goodness, despite their circumstances, despite the cultural surroundings of their day, despite the fact that Nero was in power, hello, they, he said, are full of goodness. Filled with all knowledge. That's the knowledge of the word. That's the knowledge of the gospel that has set them free. Because of that, he says, you are able to instruct one another. I love this. Paul displaying confidence in the believers of Rome. They're able to instruct one another. And by the way, one of my philosophies of ministry as a pastor is the church unleashed. I've become, uh, I've had some be critical of me that, that I'm, I'm, I'm too permission giving. Well, that's because I believe that the Holy Spirit lives in Jonathan. The Holy Spirit lives in Marcus. The Holy Spirit lives in Mary Catherine. The Holy Spirit lives in every one of you today who are believers. Therefore, you are able to instruct one another. Now, there's standards and there's qualifications for leadership and all that. I get that. At the same time, I release you today. I commission you today as evangelists. <laughs> You're all hereby commissioned in the name of Jesus to be evangelists. And all that you need that will qualify you for that is that you are saved. If you are saved, you are qualified to be an evangelist. So Paul displays confidence in these believers to instruct one another. He didn't feel like he was the all in all, that he had to be present at every meeting and, and every church service because he, he knew that they were able because of the power of the Spirit. This is why I love to share my pulpit with people that I trust. Because you hear from them, and you hear from Kevin a few weeks ago, and you're going to hear from Jonathan in a few weeks, and you're going to hear something that will be refreshing and renewing, and you go, man, if God can do it in their life, he can do it in mine. Amen? Verse 15. But on some points I have written to you very boldly by way of reminder, because of the grace given me by God. So everything we do, everything we are able to accomplish is by his grace, Right? not by our works, not by our education, not by our performance, not that that doesn't help at times, education and knowledge and all that, but it's ultimately his grace. And what is that to cause him to be? He says to be a minister, verse 16, of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. Now listen, Paul was a Jew. Paul was born ethnically a Jew. He was trained in the Jewish system. He was a Pharisee. He was uh, highly educated. I think somebody said recently that today he would have the equivalent of about five PhDs. And yet God called him to a group of people that he was un, as, uh, not as familiar with. God called him to a people that were out of his comfort zone. Gentiles, many Jews. One of the prayers of, Jew, of the Jews uh, that, that weren't following the God fully <laughs> was, God, thank you that you didn't make me a Gentile. Did you know that? That was one of the prayers that some of the religious Jewish leaders would pray before Jesus came was, God, thank you that you didn't make me a Gentile. 
And so there was a lot of prejudice and racism going on prior to Jesus and during Jesus' ministry, and it's alive and well, unfortunately. But he says that I'm called to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God. God called him to, to people that were outside of his comfort zone, and he will do the same with us. He will call us to people and to ethnicities and to situations and to uh, socioeconomic situations and and and. And, you know, you might be intimidated to share with a professor at UGA, college students, thinking, I'm not qualified. Yes, you are. Holy Spirit in you is bigger than the devil in that professor who's unsaved. <laughs> Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And so he's called to be a minister to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable. That offering would be their bodies as they gave their life to Christ, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Verse 17, in Christ Jesus then I have reason to be proud of my work for God. Now this is not an unhealthy pride, it's a healthy pride. Did you know there's an unhealthy biblical pride and, an, and a healthy biblical pride? Unhealthy biblical pride is thinking you're something because of something you've done. Healthy biblical pride is being confident in who you are because of what God's done in you. And so this is knowing your identity in Christ and that, that you can take a healthy biblical sense of satisfaction, that might be a, a better word today, a healthy sense of satisfaction that God is doing things through you. God is using you to encourage other believers. God is using you to plant seeds in the lives of unbelievers. God is using you to bring people to faith in Christ. God is using your gifts, your financial offering to touch the nations. We'll talk about that. And so there's a sense in which you can properly take pride and a sense of satisfaction when you're serving God and investing your life in what's eternal. Verse 18, for I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me. So the only thing we can take proper biblical pride in is what God does through us, what we accomplish for his kingdom, what's eternal, eternal perspective. We talk about that so much around here. What he's accomplished through me to what? Bring the Gentiles to obedience. His mission was to help Gentiles come to faith in Jesus. And I love this, by word and deed. See, he wasn't just satisfied if they gave lip service to faith in Christ. Oh, is that an issue today? Oh, I'm a Christian. I'm saved. I'm a member of this church. I've been baptized. And yet their life exhibits no fruit for God. Sleeping around, beating on their spouse, cussing up one side and the other, watching junk on TV and the Internet. But, oh, they profess to know Jesus. No, you don't. 1 John, 5 gives five, 1 John gives five tests for a true believer. So it's not just lip service. Jesus said, many will say on that day, Lord, Lord. And he'll say, I never knew you. You say, I believe in God. Well, the demons believe and shudder, book of James says. So I love this little line, by word and deed. See, when you're meditating on Scripture, when you're chewing on the Word of God, you come to a little phrase like this and you go, oh, better stop, mm, mm, mm. There's a Holy Spirit stop sign. <laughs> we're going to stop. We're going to chew. We're going to land and linger. You're going to land on that verse. You're going to land on that phrase, and you're going to linger there. You're going to let the Holy Spirit kind of start, mm, woo, ooh, it's, it's percolating. Spiritual coffee making. Spiritual percolation. Water dripping down. Starts right here. Mmm, starts dripping down. Oh, the smell of coffee is as good as what... Lucius can, can, can uh, roast at his house. Oh, I'm smelling that Holy Spirit now. Mmm, and it starts trickling. You start getting those insights. 
dark roast, medium roast, hazelnut. Mm-mm-mm. Oh, it's starting to get in my spirit. Oh, it gets me fired up. I'm ready to live it out now. That's what the Word of God does when it's combined with the Holy Spirit. That's what happened to me this week when I was meditating on this. By word and deed, just had to land and linger there. Verse 19. It's going to get better. By the power of signs and wonders. Well, I don't believe signs and wonders still occur today. That ceased with the early church. I'm a cessationist. Well, you better read your Bible again. Because I'm telling you right now, the doctrine of cessationism is not biblical. And it says signs and wonders, and they're still occurring today because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's not stopped doing miracles. We sang about it today, didn't we? He's still giving dreams, visions, prophecies, healings. Muslims are coming to faith in Christ today in unprecedented numbers because of dreams and visions of the true Messiah, Jesus Christ. God is on the move. Many of you have been healed. Many of you have experienced signs and wonders. It's still the way God works. By the power of the Spirit of God. Mm. Spirit of God, Holy Spirit moving. So that from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum, that was 1,400 miles, by the way. And that was before planes and cars. This was by boat and walking and other means of transportation. Paul had already covered at this point, far the gospel, Jerusalem to Illyricum, 1,400 miles. I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. Can we say that? I desire when I breathe my last breath that I could say I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. Don't you want us to be able to say that? You hear well done. By the way, regarding the power of the Spirit of God, so important, and this, this, this piece of the Holy Spirit is what can give us Great balance and rest in our evangelism. We play a part. We're to plant. We're to water. We're to share. But who ultimately produces the fruit? God. Who ultimately brings a person to salvation? God. Who ultimately convicts them of sin and their need for Jesus? God, through the Holy Spirit. And this is why I love the definition Bill Bright, the founder and president of Crew, said, effective, listen closely, effective evangelism is taking the initiative to share the gospel in the power of the Holy Spirit and leave the results to God. Taking the initiative to share Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit and leave the results to God. Resting that he's the one who brings a person to faith in Christ and whether I even see it or not, I can trust that he's the one that can do that. Verse 20, and thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named. Now, this is significant. This is going to bring us attention to our missions map today. Not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. So what Paul was saying there was, my goal is to go and take the gospel where it's least known, where it's been least shared, that rather than lay upon another man's foundation, not that that's wrong, Not that it's wrong to build on another man's foundation. In other words, that person came and they planted and they watered and maybe they got some new believers there and another person comes in and and they're more gifted to kind of mature those people. They're, They're more of a shepherd, a discipler. That's needed, that's needed. But Paul's heart as an evangelist to the Gentiles was to take the gospel where it had never gone before. Now, I don't agree with this statement, but it's worth just listening to. Somebody once said, No one deserves to hear the gospel twice when there's those who haven't heard it once. 
Now, I don't really, I think that's a little overboard, but it, it, it's thought-provoking, isn't it? And God may use this very passage and this very message to call some of you to a place where the gospel is least there. And so if you look to your right, I want to educate you today on what is called the 1040 window. Sharing with a guy this week, he'd been a believer a long time, I was actually shocked, he did not know what the 1040 window was. So this is the world, these icons, we call them our kind of our logo icon, are where we have people serving that we financially support. This rectangle is called the 1040 window. It's 10 degrees and 40 degrees north of the equator. It's just a way that missiologists today identify the place in the world where the gospel is the least available. This is the place in the world Middle East, Northern Africa, where there's very little, if any, access to the gospel. Often in these countries, it's illegal to be a Christian. Many of these places are primarily Muslim nations, where if you get converted to Jesus Christ, your family will disown you, and you can face tremendous persecution. These are places that even if somebody wanted to hear the gospel. They wanted to get saved. Often they don't even have access. They don't have a church down the road like we have here. Where if somebody in Athens said, you know what, I need to get right with God. I'm getting convicted of my sin. This world is falling apart. There's so much darkness today. I need some light. I need some hope. And they drive by and they see our sign, living hope. They can walk in. They're going to hear the gospel. We're going to love on them. And if they're open, they could easily get saved. But in these places of the world, that's not the case. And so this is called the 1040 window because it's the place in the world that has the greatest need for the gospel. They have the least access to the gospel. Is that clear? That makes sense. And so when I read these words in Romans 15, Paul's saying, I want to go where the gospel has never gone Today, that would be the kind of place he would have in mind. That would be the kind of place that he would want to go to. That he would do everything he could to go to those places. Now, thankfully today, we do have some access to those places. Many people, through their work, through their secular employment, can get into those countries in a way a missionary wouldn't be able to. Furthermore, guess what? You and I go to those nations every week when we give money here and to missionaries. And I'm going to talk about that because he talks about money in this verse. So when you give money to Living Hope, because we are a tithing church, look at how many icons we already have in the 1040 window. And our missions policy is that 60% of our foreign missions giving would go to the 1040 window. Because we want to make that a priority in our giving and sending because it's the place of greatest need. Is that clear? One way to illustrate that is that if we had a huge log on this stage, too heavy for two people to carry, and on one end of the log, there's one person. On the other end of the log is 15 people. And you're asked to help carry the log. Which end would you go to? Well, of course, you'd go to this end because there's a greater need here. You see? 
Now, if you went here, yes, you would help those 15 feel that the load is a little lighter. But if you go here, this poor guy is doing the work that, that, that many need to be doing. And so that is why we as a church have said we want our giving, our sending, in terms of foreign missions, to be heavily prioritized in that 1040 window. And it goes right along with what Paul is saying here. Now, I do want to bring one more attention to this phrase, signs and wonders. Because in Acts chapter 4, I want you to see on the screen this prayer that Paul prayed. I'm sorry, that the early church prayed in Acts 4. This is so important because we should pray this prayer today as well. Enable your servants. This is after they had been persecuted and told to hush up. (laughs) Enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Don't we need boldness today? I do. Man, fear sets in and the enemy comes in and you think, ah, they're not going to want to hear. And ah, what if they ask a question I can't answer? So we need to pray boldness. And then, in addition to praying that we would be bold to speak, he prays that God would come in power. Enable your servant, or stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. That's why we say we want to be a word and spirit church. Read my track that's in the back called Signs and Wonders, Then and Now? Question mark. And I do an extensive study of the book of Acts where signs and wonders were primarily to bring unbelievers to faith in Jesus. You track that phrase and you look at miracles in the book of Acts. Right after those signs and wonders, right after those miracles, it often says, and many came to believe in Jesus. And so signs and wonders is kind of God's wake-up call to unbelievers. So when you're witnessing to a person, they're not saved, and they have a physical need, maybe what you ought to pray for God, would you just bring healing to this person and that be a way they come to faith in Christ? See, we don't think about that. We often think only to pray for miracles for believers. But actually, the purpose of signs and wonders and acts was to bring unbelievers to faith in Jesus. Pray that God gives them a dream. Pray that God gives them a vision. Pray that God does something to radically shake them into their awareness of their need for Jesus. All right, verse 21. But as it is written, so this is in the context of taking the gospel where it's never been, Those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. What have I taught you guys about getting the hidden manna? What do you do to get the hidden manna? You turn to the passage he's quoting. Guess where he's quoting here? Isaiah 52. Let's turn to that. It's a messianic passage that is going to lead right into that amazing messianic prophecy about Jesus found in Isaiah 53. But in Isaiah 52, starting at verse 13, those of you home, turn in your Bibles, Isaiah 52, beginning at verse 13. The verse he quotes is verse 15b, but to get the hidden manna of 15b, you need to go to 13. Behold, my servant will act wisely. He shall be high and lifted up and shall be exalted. This is talking about Jesus, beloved, written in 700 B.C. As many were astonished at you, his appearance was so marred beyond human semblance and his form beyond that of the children of mankind. So shall he sprinkle many nations. That's the blood of Jesus right there, beloved, for all people, all nations. Kings shall shut their mouths because of him. Read my chapter, The Laughing God, The Warrior God, in my new book. They will shut their mouths. 
kings, rulers, they have nothing on God. Jesus is so much bigger, so much stronger, so much superior to any human leader than any nation, any leader who thinks they have anything on God. Psalms 2 says he sits in the heavens and laughs. That's our God. And so it says there that uh, so shall he sprinkle many nations. Kings will shut their mouths because of him. And here's the verse that's quoted in Romans 15. For that which has not been told them shall see, and that which they have not heard they understand. And then verse 53 is that amazing chapter, talking about the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. <laughs> How amazing that the Holy Spirit would inspire Paul in writing about going to the nations that so desperately need the gospel. He would quote from Isaiah 52 this very passage. Verse 22 of Romans 15. This is the reason why I have so often been hindered from coming to you. Meaning, I've wanted to come to you, Roman, the church at Rome. I've wanted to come to you and disciple you and help you grow and see how you're doing, but I've been hindered. Why? Because my heart's going to all these places that have never heard. And so my heart's here and my heart's here. Listen, listen, evangelism and discipleship. It's not one or the other. It's, It's both and. Well, I've said here, we don't want to be a church that's an, a mile long and an inch deep. We're not going to just help win people to Christ. We're not going to just be about evangelism. We are, but we're going to also be about discipling them, helping them grow, helping them go deeper, helping equip them to be ministers for him. And so he says, I've, I've been hindered, and the only reason I'm hindered is because I've been going to all these places that have never heard, verse 23. But now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, okay, that's kind of done. I'm, I can move on. I, I since have longed for many years to come to you. I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain and to be helped in my journey there by you. See, even he was helped by them. He found mutual encouragement when he saw their growth and their faith and their miracles and what God was doing in that church. Same for you guys. Man, when you guys tell me things God's doing in your life, Lucius comes up all fired up today because his men's group yesterday had been going through my chapter on on well done in evangelism. I said, did you know that's what I'm preaching on today? And, And they talked about the very stuff I'm talking about today. Man, that fires me up. I get so encouraged when I hear what God is doing in your life. Paul was that way as well. You've helped me once I've enjoyed your company for a while. Verse 25. At present, however, I'm going to Jerusalem bringing aid to the saints. So there was a famine in Jerusalem at the time. Believers were suffering. And Paul and others had been taking up an offering, a love offering, from various churches and was going to deliver that to bring help to the church at Jerusalem. Why? Because they realized we're one church. Hello. We're one church. If believers are struggling in China or Indonesia or the Balkans, that that should be a burden that we carry as well, praying for them and helping in whatever way we can. Verse 26, for Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution, that's money, for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. For they were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For if if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings, they ought also to be of service to them in the material blessings. In other words, we share the gospel, we also share food and clothing and money and other things when they have a need. When therefore I have completed this and have delivered to them what has been collected, I will leave for Spain by by way of you. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. Verse 30, I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Holy Spirit to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf. So he was asking them to pray for him that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea. That must have meant persecution or those that tried to hinder him. And that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints. And then look at these last two verses. So that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. See, they were going to refresh him and encourage him. May the God of peace be with you all. Amen. So why should we share? Number one, 
because of God's love. God loves all people. First reason we should share the good news is God loves all people. He so loved the world that he gave his only son. 2 Peter 3 and 9, he says he desires no one to perish, but all to come to repentance. God created you to know him. You're listening online. God created you to know him. Your purpose on earth is to have a personal relationship with God, to know God and then to make him known. God's love is indescribable, unconditional, sacrificial. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ. God so loved the world he gave. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait for us to get our act together. He died for us even though we were sinful and separated from him. The amazing love of God. Number two, man sins. And that sin separates us from God. That's the sin of the the spiritual coronavirus. that separates us from God, that keeps us from a personal relationship with God. Sin is a big deal, and there's only one remedy, and that's number three, Jesus saves. God loves, man sins, Jesus saves. It's so simple. It's the gospel of Christ. It's not the gospel of good works. It's not the gospel of religion. It's not the gospel of trying hard to be acceptable to God. It's what Jesus did for you. He paid your sin debt. He absorbed the wrath of God. Jesus saves. That's what we rejoice in today. Christ's death, Christ's resurrection, Christ's blood. And this is why the Bible says he's the only way to God. Jesus himself said in John 14, 6, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Acts 4 and 12 says there's no other name given among men whereby we must be saved in the name of Jesus. 1 Timothy 2 and 5 says there's one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. He's the only way to God because he's the only remedy for sin. He's the only way to God because he's the only one who can forgive sin. He's the only way to God because he's the only means by which we can be forgiven of our sin. Not by works, not by religion, not by trying hard. Only by the blood of Jesus. Number four, we are called. We've seen this in our passage today that just like Paul, we're called to share with those who don't know Jesus. To me, one of the most compelling verses about our calling is 2 Corinthians 5 and 20. And it says that we are ambassadors for God. This is an interesting verse. If we could bring that up, please. 2 Corinthians 5 and 20 says, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. There it is. That an ambassador is someone who represents the home country to do work in the foreign country. Our ambassador to whatever country you want to name, they go with the authority of the United States of America to to do business or to do action or to do deals or to negotiate in that other nation. Well, we are God's ambassadors. We represent the God of heaven. We are on a mission from the God of heaven. We've been sanctified, commissioned, and called by the God of heaven to help bring his kingdom to earth as it is in heaven. And so because we are ambassadors, and look at this, I love this phrase, as though God were making his appeal through us. Whoa. So God is making his appeal. God is drawing. God is going after people. God is seeking to save the lost, seek and to save the lost. And he does it how? Through you and me. Now there's times when he bypasses us. He can save somebody with or without us. But his primary MO, mode of operandi, is through his people, through you, through me. We are his hands and feet. So it's God, watch this, God appealing to others through us. So we share his word, we share love, 
We do acts of kindness. We, we pray. We intercede. We take the good news. Trusting God, resting in Him, so the pressure's off. It's not my job to convert. But yet He, he moves through us. And beloved, this is why. I pray we get fired up to do evangelism. I mean, excited to do evangelism. Why? Because we have, listen, we have in the gospel of Jesus the answer to every problem in the world. Every need, every problem, every challenge right now in this world. The answer is the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's people today who are, they're just overwhelmed with guilt and sin because of things they've done they know are wrong and offend a holy God. Where's forgiveness and freedom found in Jesus? In the gospel of Jesus. There's people today gripped by fear. Fear of this virus, fear of all kinds of stuff. What's the Bible say? Cast out fear? Perfect love. Who has perfect love? The gospel of Jesus Christ. People today plagued by anxiety, panic attacks, all kinds of emotional struggles. What's the answer to that? The gospel of Jesus Christ that brings a peace that passes all understanding. There's so much strife and hate today. What's the answer to that? The love of God found in the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is racism rampant today. What's the answer to that? The fact that God says, I've created all people in my image, and the body of Christ is people of every tribe, nation, tongue, and people. The answer to that problem is the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's all kinds of disunity today and confusion and people that are putting their hope in politics or this person or that person. Beloved, the answer is put your hope in God. Put your hope in Jesus. Don't look to the White House. Look to the God House. Don't look to politicians. Look to the ruler of the universe, God himself, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Many people today don't know where they're going to spend eternity. They don't know if they die today where they go. What's the answer to that? Eternal life in the gospel of Jesus Christ. No matter the problem, no matter the sin, no matter the challenge, the answer is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what gives us hope to share it today. Beloved, we have the answer. And so let's just make this as practical as we can in closing. I talked to you last week about how I just opened a simple conversation with a man in the parking lot at Academy Sports. And through that conversation was able to just share what I'm about to share with you, and he came to faith in Jesus Christ, prayed right there in the parking lot. I am so convinced that there are so many people today that if they heard the plan of salvation, they would come to Christ. So let me give you, I've actually added one, so it's four in the notes, but I'm going to add one. Number one, pray. How do we share the good news? This is so practical. Pray. Pray that God opens doors. Look at Colossians chapter 4. He says, pray that God would open a door for our message. So if Paul prayed that God would open a door for his message, how much more do we need to do that? God, would you give me sensitivity to you as I go throughout my day? God, would you open doors? Would you put me with people today that are ready to hear the gospel? God, would you give me the, the, the discernment? Raise my spiritual antenna. For those of you under 30 don't know what an antenna is. Okay, for the, uh, 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 give me greater uh, cell phone coverage in my spirit. <laughs> And so that I'll be sensitive to you when you open a door. Because so often we're in situations and we miss the opportunity. And so God, give me that openness. Here's another thing. Have a top ten list. Have a top ten list. Ten people you know who are not saved that you're praying for on a regular basis. Bringing them before the Lord. How about praying 2 Chronicles 2 or 4, 4? It says that Satan blinds the minds of unbelievers. So part of prayer is coming against the powers of darkness that are blinding that person. God, would you lift the scales from their eyes? 
I pray in the name of Jesus you bind Satan off of them, Lord, so that they see the light of the glory of the gospel. Now, we're going to do some praying right now. I thought, you know what? Rather than just talk, we're going to do something today. Now, you don't have to leave your seat if you're uncomfortable, but I've asked Steve Pierce, who's on our missions team, to go to, to get the flags of the countries that are in that 1040 window or right on the edge. So we've got India, we've got Jordan, we've got um, Uganda, and we've got Indonesia. And then we're also going to bring China into this because of the incredible ministry the Sapletas are doing every week through that apologetics Zoom teaching. Yesterday, they had 950 people on the Zoom meeting. You got 950 people. I saw the, I saw the evidence. They sent me the picture. Right there, the Zoom meeting. And about 80% of those are in China. Yes, listening to truths about the gospel, the Bible being the Word of God, Jesus being the Son of God. So we got China here. We got Uganda there, because that's right on the edge of the 1040 window. Uh, this one is Indonesia, right? Check out how good my memory is on maps. All right. Uh, that's Jordan. That's India. Uganda. Which one is this? Indonesia. So I'm going to just give five minutes for you to social distance, okay, social distance if you get out of your seat, but to gather around, get kind of somewhere kind of close to one of those places that you just want to intercede for, begin now. Just begin to go to one of those, get close to it, or even where you're seated, you're, you're, you're zeroing in on one, and you are going to extend your hand, and I want just everybody praying out loud at the same time. You're not going to be listening to others. You're just interceding, crying out to God. This is called prayer Korean style. They all pray at the same time. And so you begin to just pray, cry out to God to touch these nations, to, to, to give strength to the people that we support in those nations, and to bring a revival. So begin now to pray. I do encourage some of you, if you're okay with it, just to get out of your seat and kind of get somewhat in proximity to that flag. Ask God to give you his heart for that nation. Come against the demonic strongholds. Pray for believers in those countries. Pastors, churches, missionaries. 
pray God lifts the virus from those nations. Pray for revival. Jesus said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. For the nations. Father, in the name of Jesus, we bring the countries of India, Jordan, Indonesia, Uganda, China. We ask in the name of Jesus for a mighty outpouring of your spirit on these nations. We thank you, Jesus, that you died for all people. We thank you that the blood of Jesus is just as sufficient in those nations as it is here. Hallelujah. God, we ask you to strengthen your people. Bring a mighty outpouring of your spirit even in this crucial time in our world. And we thank you and praise you that we're a part of your worldwide kingdom. Thank you that your kingdom is not limited to America. That it is a worldwide kingdom. And God, give us your heart for the nations. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Amen. Thank you. All right, I've added a number two in terms of practical ways to witness. So this is a new number two. Ask questions. Ask questions. Jesus used this method all the time. Matter of fact, there's a book written by a guy I went to seminary with. It's called Questioning Evangelism. Now, it's not that we question whether we ought to do evangelism. It's using questions in evangelism. You ought to get the book. Jesus often asked questions. Paul asked questions. Questions are a great way to get into a spiritual conversation. Rather than you preaching at them, that's not going to be effective. Hey, do you ever think about spiritual things? If you die today, do you know where you would spend eternity? Who, in your opinion, is Jesus Christ? What do you think about all the problems in the world today? What do you think that solution to those problems might be? Just curious, were you raised in a church? Do you go to church anywhere? If not, why not? Usually you'll find out they had a bad experience, unfortunately. Christian heard them. Who, in your opinion, is Jesus? That's a great question to ask. Do you believe Christ is the Son of God? Asking questions. It's a great way to lead into a spiritual conversation. This is the most difficult part of witnessing, is breaking the ice, <laughs> isn't it? Just, you know, how do you go from weather or sports or COVID to Jesus? <laughs> it's hard. It's a challenge. But questions are a great way to kind of go into a new realm. Number three, present your testimonies. There's number two up here, but present your testimony. I've been reading the book of Acts in my quiet time, and every time Paul has opportunity, he shares his testimony, how he came to faith in Christ, the difference Christ has made in his life. See, the power of a testimony is this. People can argue theology till the cows come home. They can offer their opinion or disagree with you on your understanding of a Bible verse, but nobody can, can slam your testimony because that's your personal experience. So very, I've never seen anybody get into an argument with somebody about their testimony. 
<laughs> they might get into an argument about theology or a Bible verse, but not their testimony. And, and, and you say, well, I don't have a very great testimony. I wasn't strung out on drugs and about to commit suicide before I got saved. Your testimony is powerful regardless of your past because it's how Jesus Christ has come into your life and given you purpose and meaning and joy and forgiveness. And so here's, here's a good testimony. It's just three stages, and you ought to be able to share this in two minutes or less. If you don't have your testimony prepared, I encourage you to write it out and send it to me. Your life before Jesus. How you came to know Jesus, salvation in Jesus. And thirdly, life in Jesus, the difference he's made in your life. Paul does this in Acts. Talks about his Judaism, talks about he persecuted the church. Then he talks about the experience he had when he saw the light. He was blinded. He got saved. And then he talks about the difference that Christ has made in his life. That's, how, that's a testimony right there. Before, how, and after. Number four, learn to share the bridge. The bridge diagram is the simplest, easiest, clearest way to share how somebody can get saved. I've done this at the beach on the sand. I've written this out on a napkin at Jittery Joe's. I've sat in my office and taken out this simple gospel track that Lee DeLoach held up in which it has the bridge. And they're available on your, as you leave today, I've gotten over 100 copies of these. Every one of you is to take one of these home. And you have an assignment today. So you have homework. Your homework is to sit down with somebody this week and go through this booklet. Use me as your excuse. I go to this church. Pastor gave me an assignment. Would you be willing, if, if, if I fulfill my assignment with you, I, I have homework from church. And, 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 and he asked us to do this just because we're just curious what people think of this today. So I'd love your opinion. See, do that. Then the pressure's off of them. You're like asking their opinion. Everybody's honored to give their opinion. So, so our church is doing kind of an extensive survey in the Athens area. Say this. And, and we'd love people's opinion uh, uh, of this booklet that gives a summary of Genesis to Revelation in four simple points. This summarizes the whole Bible. I, I bet you've wondered sometimes, you know, the Bible's so big, I, I can't read it all, but could you just summarize it for me? Could you give me a Reader's Digest version? Here it is. And, and you just say, could you be my, could you help me fulfill this assignment this week? And so that's your homework this week. And I'll tell you what, I'm convinced we're going to see at least 10 people say I bet we're going to see 10 people saved this week just because you guys go and you do this. So on one side, you draw out this diagram. I'll show it. Here it is. God on one side. We're on the other. There's a division. If I, was there one before that? Showing sin. Here we go. So here we are. Here God is. And then you just write the word sin right in the middle. And then you go to this. Here's the solution. The solution is the cross of Jesus Christ. So simple. So simple, but it, it profoundly shares the essence of the good news. And then have some verses. The Romans wrote, all from Romans. You could use verses. For sin, Romans 3.23. For the cross, Romans 5.8. For salvation, Romans 10. And then finally, how to share is to financially invest. You saw these verses where he talks about giving an offering, taking up a collection for the believers of Jerusalem. And it just hit me that money, 
giving, giving to Living Hope Church, giving to missionaries, giving to people who are serving in places. It's a way to share the gospel because get this, when those ministries bear fruit, you bear fruit. You had a part in that. And that's exactly what Paul said in Philippians 4. He said, thank you for your gift. Now, I don't rejoice so much in the gift itself, but in the, 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 it's credited to your account. That's what it says in the NIV. I love that. That my ministry is credited to your account because you invested financially in what I did. And when you give here at Living Hope, and this is not a ploy to get you to give more to Living Hope, but I'm just telling you, when you give to Living, at Living Hope because we're a tithing church, only seven years old, look at the people we support from our tithe money. Look at this. There's three slides. Next slide. Next slide. (laughs) These are all ministries that we support as a church from our tithe money. So when you give to Living Hope, you're giving to all these ministries. You're doing evangelism through them. That doesn't get you off the hook like, okay, I've done it. I don't need to do any more. <laughs> Not at all. But I want you to feel a sense of partnership and encouragement today that when these ministries lead people to Christ, when the Sopletas were on that Zoom call yesterday with 900 people, if you support Living Up Church, you were there. You were a part of that because they're one of the people that we support. Beloved, are you saved today? Have you received the vaccine of the blood of Jesus for your sins? Do you know with absolute certainty today that your sins are forgiven, you're reconciled with God by the blood of Jesus, not by your works, not by your religion, not by church attendance? Do you know that? Because 1 John 5 says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God in order that you may know that you have eternal life. Not wish, not hope, but know. If not, then I'm going to lead you in a prayer in a moment. You can be born again. You can be saved right now. Right now. If you are a believer, you know your sins are forgiven. You're a follower of Jesus. What is God saying to you today about your part in evangelism? What part of the whys needs to become more of a conviction? And what part of the hows do you need to put into practice? Just grab one of those things we talked about today. Just one. And invite the Holy Spirit to ignite it this week. Ask God right now to lead you to somebody that you can share that booklet with. Begin that top 10 list. Begin to make this a greater priority because it's on the heart of God. He desires no one to perish. Let's pray together. You're listening and you need to be born again. I encourage you to get on your knees and pray this prayer to God. Lord Jesus, I need you. I have sinned against heaven. And I thank you that you've paid the price for my forgiveness. I receive you, Jesus, as my Lord and Savior. I invite you to come in and cleanse me of my sin. I receive the vaccine of the blood of Jesus to cure the COVID virus of sin. Fill me now with your Holy Spirit that I might live for you to love you with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. If you prayed that prayer, I encourage you to let us know. You can go to the register part of our app, 
communication card and there's a place there where you can indicate that you received Christ. If you're a Christian today, I just want to open the altar now as we lead into our response time. I just open the altar. If you want to come and pray here at the front, stay spaced out, please, but maybe you want to just come and pray for greater boldness. Maybe you want to come and intercede for those who are lost that you know. Maybe you want to pray for signs and wonders. Pray for greater anointing of the Holy Spirit. I just open the altar now. Come and just begin to pray and cry out to God on this very crucial topic that we've talked about. The altar's open throughout this entire response song.